no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Barry Essentials. We are Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will break down the Bears season performance thus far and much more. Hey, Dub, how you feeling, bro? I'm doing pretty good, Press. How are you, man? Well, I would say this, man. We got the bye week, so this team can't hurt us uh, this Sunday, at least, man. So other than that, man, I, I got nothing to complain about. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> How's the week been for you? Been good over there? Been good, pretty good, man, so far, you know, just working things out. You know how we go? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, man, as we kind of move into, like, these cold days of the fall and wintertime coming in. Um, it's football weather is only going to intensify. Hopefully our Bears can start rising to the occasion for us. Hopefully so. That's what we're looking forward to. Yes, sir. Well, audience, uh, what we want to do on this show, we want to keep things positive. I know me and A-Dub and Big Dave uh, on the last episode, we kind of, you know, had a little fun with that one. But we want to just make sure in this episode, we want to keep things upbeat and positive. You know, the team obviously has underperformed to all of our expectations. But on this episode, we're going to uh, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to do a fan uh, profile this week. So we're going to bring on Mitch Galloway later in the show. Um, he's going to kind of come on and join us and talk about some bear stuff with us. But also, me and A-Dub right now, we want to just kind of delve into some of the injury things that are going on with the team and kind of get you guys updated with some of that kind of stuff. Uh, so, A-Dub, one of the things that you and I had talked about earlier in the week um, after we recorded was the fact that, man, the quarterback situation with these injuries, is just everything's up in the air. When, uh, when Nick Foles went down with his injury, a lot of us thought, you know, the worst. We thought that, hey, man, this guy might be out for a long time because that injury did not look good. According to what Nagy said about Nick Foles, even though he was carted off the field, they said that they think that they ruled out a serious injury. And they're saying it could be more of a hip pointer. Did you hear anything outside of that kind of stuff on Foles? And what are you kind of hearing about his status potentially going into Green Bay? No, you, you're right. You spot on around that part. It's around his hip. And it looks like it wasn't as bad as Nagy thought. With him going into the game against the Packers, looks like he'll probably be good to go. So that'll be, I guess, a positive for us in that matter that we'll have a healthy quarterback going into that week um, against that team. So hopefully, you know, um, it shows that way when everything comes up, right? So we just wait now until the day comes. I think what they said is he's day-to-day right now. Uh, right. So, yeah. So, and the thing about it is, I think they uh, originally, I th- even you and I, when we talked about it, we thought that he might have uh, uh, broken that collarbone again with the way that he got, like, slammed down on the ground. Yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah, right. When he went down, you looked like he did more than that kind of damage, right? And um, the good thing is, even though he got carted off, right, you were thinking that with, with him getting carted off, you thought it was more injury, more something happened to him more than that, right? right. And it turns out to be just what Nagy was sharing with us, that it wasn't that serious. Um, that's a good thing. Yep, definitely. Well, 
let's talk about the other quarterback now. So we know that our, our boy Mitch has been out since week eight. And, you know, I was very critical of that play call that, that Nagy ran and got the guy hurt. You know, he hurt his throwing shoulder. Right. What do you what do you hear in there, A-Dub, as far as his status? Because I think that he was week to week the last time that Nagy gave us an update. Last time I heard about Trubisky, it looks like he'll probably be healthy for the game against the Packers. So it looks like we might have both of the quarterbacks ready for the game. But the, the question that comes up now will be who's going to take the start, right? We'll probably get to that some other time. But I think right now it looks like he's going to be healthy. Yeah, I, I would say this. That's definitely something that we'll probably touch on in probably in a few minutes uh, between those two guys. But the one thing about Mitch's situation was, for me, he landed awkward on the shoulder. It's right. his throwing shoulder, right? He visited a specialist earlier in the month, and they deemed the surgery wasn't going to be necessary for him, and he's been rehabbing. And I think that he actually just started back throwing again. So I think that that's something that uh, could be promising for his chances to be available against Green Bay. Right. What about David Montgomery, man? We we saw that he was in concussion protocol. He basically has taken a lot of shots this season. I think outside of that concussion, David Montgomery's probably beat up right now. So what do you kind of hear with Montgomery, and what do you think his status would be going into uh, that Green Bay Packers game? I think he might be ready to go, for what I'm hearing. So far, he's still in protocol. When you're in concussion protocol, it takes some time. It, it appeared that his wasn't as severe as some other protocols of individuals who had concussion. So he might be a good to go. For the game, but right now, of course, he may be ruled as probably day to day, still in the reserve list. But I think he'll be good to go at this time frame. Now, the thing is, when he comes back to play, I don't expect him to get a whole workload, right? Because of that reason. Yeah, and I would say this too: you're you're definitely correct on that with the concussion protocol. These concussions are really hard for us to kind of pinpoint recovery time because right. a lot of times the average person is probably out for around ten day ten days, which is usually like a one game where they have to sit out. Right, exactly. Um, but I would just say this, man. Um, concussions are very tricky because um, anytime you're talking about injuries to the brain and things of that nature, you know, it's just hard to project timetables with that. It's not like you can say with an ankle injury, right? <laughs> you know, so exactly. it's a lot different. I agree. Different. But I would say this, man. I would think headed into the bye week, it probably bought Montgomery a little bit more time to be ready to go against the Packers. Exactly. And I think, that, as you know, right, that bye week helps. So he might be a good to go for the game. We'll see, of course, right? We'll see. Uh, but so far, what I'm hearing, it looks like he's on process, on, pro- on progress. That's good to hear there. Um, what about our buddy Hakeem Hicks, man? 96, you know, he's been a big catalyst for that D-line. Uh, we talked about in the last episode how when he went out, we lost a little bit of that juice up front. Yeah. And when he strained that hamstring, I mean, that's never good to see that, especially for a bigger player. I mean, he's like 350-plus, I would assume. Right, straight in the hamstring for that guy. That's tough. So what what do you think in there when it comes to keep? Normally when it comes down to injuries like that, a hamstring, that takes a few weeks. So with him, um, we're not hearing much about him. I haven't heard much uh, out there reporting on him and his return, but I think he can possibly miss the game. Uh, that's just my take on it. Because again, those hamstring injuries are pretty unique, especially for a big guy. It's not like, you know, Hicks, a small guy with the hamstring injury. So uh, it'll be a plus if he can play. But man, that's tight with a hamstring injury. Yeah, soft tissue injuries are already tough, and especially for a bigger player. So, audience, that's an injury that we'll all kind of be on the lookout as this week. We'll see how he goes with practice and, and things of that nature. But uh, that definitely would be a tough blow if he's not able to play against the Packers. I agree. So there's a couple of other injuries really briefly that I wanted to touch on. John Jenkins, he's a, another uh, person on that defensive line. 
He's been out with a foot or ankle injury, I think is the team called it. Okay. Yep. And as you mentioned on our last show, defensive line is a is a is an area where we have a lot of depth, right? So right. we've seen where Urban and McCullers have come in and they've been solid, you know, kind of backing up. We haven't really missed Jenkins in that sense, but Jenkins is somebody on that line that's another big body that could take up double teams. So what have you heard with his status? Because he has missed the last couple of games. No update on his status yet. I think we might hear something this week for sure in the next couple of days, but no, so far nothing has changed in, in his status. So I'm hoping that, you know, that um, ankle injury has, has gotten better over time frame. And again, it's been a little while, so hopefully he's able to do some things. So, But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Because I think with that one, it probably might still be more of a week-to-week type of situation. Right, exactly. But the bye week, you know, and that's the thing. That, that bye week came at a really good time for a lot of these guys right now to get their bodies right, you know? Yes, we had a banged-up team, man, going into the bye week. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. What about Sherrick McManus, man? He's had an injury-plague season, right? So earlier in the year, he had a little bit of a hamstring situation. So as we talked about, those soft tissue injuries can be tough. But he also suffered a broken finger. I, I can't remember which game it happened, but he missed the Vikings game. Uh, it might right. have been the Titans game, I think, when he broke that finger. But he's just, he's battled a lot of injuries. But this is a guy that's key to our success on special teams. Have you heard any updates on Sherrick? Have not heard the updates on him either. So right now, we're all in just waiting mode. Uh, it'd be nice to get him back soon, right? But right yeah. now, it's a waiting game. Yep. No, I agree with there. Sam Mustafer is the last guy that I wanted to talk about injury-wise. Uh and he's somebody that I basically mentioned on film. He showed up pretty well in his time. He was he he basically replaced uh, Cody Whitehair when Cody Whitehair went out. And I thought Mustafa, he showed up really well, and he did well, but he ended up injuring his knee. He actually played through that knee injury in one of those games, but he's basically missed a lot of time. And I think with that knee, there could be something a little bit more serious going on with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for that injury, I'm not sure where he stands right now, but we know he has missed the last couple of games. Correct. Yeah, man, that knee injury, you know, those are always tough, man, to um, dictate how long of a recovery, right? Because it affects everyone, like you said, individually. So with him, it could be a few weeks, could be a month, right? And uh, we're just going to have to wait this out and see how severe it really was. Uh, but right now, I'm hoping that he's in good recovery. He's doing a good job and trying to recover. And um, we're looking forward to having him when we're able to get him, you know? Yeah, because I would love, uh, once he's healthy, for them to put him at the center position and move uh, white hair over to left guard and put Spriggs back in at right tackle. I am tired of seeing uh, your boy Coward. Uh, I, I just get him off the field. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We all are tired of seeing him. Man, that's been brutal watching that. But we'll see what happens with Mustafer. But uh, for that standpoint, we got a lot of guys that need to rest up here. And hopefully, you know, a lot of these guys will be able to play, uh, you know, come uh, the Packers game. Yeah, one other injury that I want to throw out there for you really quickly is um, Dwayne Harris. I think you heard about him, right? Um, he's been battling with triceps injury. So the Bears have to go in a different direction now after him. So um, with claiming DeAndre Carter off waiver. But yeah, he's been injured. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the roster moves that I wanted to talk about because he actually got put on IR. He right. tore his tricep on that play right. that, that uh, where he muffed the punt. Right. I mean, you talk about adding injury to insult. I mean, that's a tough way to end your, end your season, right? Because you got yeah, exactly. to think about that all offseason. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, to your point, yeah, we did claim DeAndre Carter from the Texans. He's a wide receiver return specialist. So now for us, A-Dub, that's now our fourth punt returner that we've been trotting out there this season. Yeah, matter of fact, I think he's probably going to be the fifth. <laughs> I think we had uh, who we had out there: Tariq, Ted, 
Dwayne Harris, Anthony Miller. So he's probably going to be the fifth. Right. Yeah, I was mentioning like four before he basically would take the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Yep. But the thing is, with that position, this shows you the value of a Tariq Cohen. And I think that a lot of our fans basically kind of didn't really appreciate all he brought to the table because when Tariq Cohen was back there, a punt returner, you didn't have those worries, right? Right. He's also been somebody in this office that we miss. So the thing about it is with a Cohen, it's taking all of these guys to replace his production out there. So that's going to be a situation that we're going to have to kind of keep our eyes on. Also, uh, A-Dub, I want to get your thoughts on this. Javon Williams is back from his two-game suspension. So what do you think is going to happen there with that wide receiver group with him returning? Well, I'll say this here. If he's returning, he has to play. I'm not saying he has to play a whole game, of course. He won't get all the snaps. But I think he has to play because he was good. And as far as when we have to run the football, he was there as a good blocker. And I think that's a key element we're going to need to play going forward. We're going to need to get some rushing yards. And I think he helps us in that element. So I think from that standpoint, he's going to have to get some time in. I'm not looking for his production for as a catcher. I'm looking for the production on the line to block. Yeah, that's true. Like, as I mentioned, he's a really good uh, person out there to block in the run game. Uh, but he also can make a couple plays, too. I think that the thing with Wims is he's going to be somebody that we can really get back out there. And hopefully Nagy f- figures out a way to start getting uh, his playmakers and people like that in positions where they can actually be productive. Absolutely. Uh, Lachavius Simmons is another guy that we wanted to talk to our audience about really quickly. He was activated from the COVID-19 list. So mm-hmm. for our audience, that was our seventh round draft pick. So uh, offensive lineman. So he's back activated off the list. Uh, he'll probably be inactive or something like that because he was inactive for most of the season. I, I, right. I saw, but it's just still seeing good seeing that he's recovered from that, and you know he's he'll pre, he'll be good to go if they need to use him uh, going forward. Absolutely, we'll take that. Well, a dub. I mean, you kind of talked about this earlier when we started talking about these injuries to the quarterback position, right? So, from your uh, opinion, what is that plan at quarterback going forward, right? So, if both quarterbacks are healthy. What's the plan of attack here? I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm going to defer to you first to kind of kick it off. The plan of attack should be what it should be now versus what it's going to be is two different things, right? (laughs) Now, what it should be with that, if you look at the team, right, look at how we're structured. Look at the fact that we're a one-dimensional, right, a one-dimensional team with Foles in the lineup, right? One-dimensional. What I mean by one-dimensional, we know that Foles cannot run. Only thing Foles can do is air it out. That's his asset right there. And our line has been pretty tough. So with that, I'm looking at the fact that we might have to decide to let Mitch start. That should be what going forward for the season. I think Mitch makes a better quarterback it, it, for what we have right now. We had a bad line. We, we know it's tough right there. We can't run, get any rushing yards like that. It's going to be pretty, pretty much critical to think about putting Mitch back in the lineup. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I agree with that. I've been saying it for weeks on this podcast that it, it basically was time for Mitch to get back in there once he was healthy. I will say this. What we see from this Foles experience is that this offensive Wolves, this wasn't Mitch's issue. This wasn't his problem. Now, he's far from basically the ideal quarterback, but for this team and where this team has the potential to go, Mitch is the guy that I think we should be trotting back out there. Um, I agree. Yeah, because I was going to say this, A-Dub. I mean, we've been critical of the offensive line and the scheme issues for what Nagy's kind of done, but when Mitch was in there, I was going to say, the offensive line held up pretty decently, and their running game, they actually got some movement in that. And they also, Mitch also helped with the running game numbers as well. 
Yeah, and now also, so that's due to, you know, the line was a little bit differently when Mitch first had the line. As you know, we got hit with some injuries that made our line look a little differently going forward. Anyhow, still, Nick Foles can't run. So Mitch can, right? If Mitch is able to utilize his mobility. And to me, that's also part of the run game. If you have a quarterback that can also utilize his mobility, right? And I think Mitch is one of those guys who can do that. Um, Foles, you can see right now, the dude looks slower than Brady when you talk about running. So you become really, really one-dimensional with Foles in the lineup. And that's a tough way to be going against some of these other defensive teams who are like, hey, who can scheme against us? All they have really is the is the pass game. Let's stop their pass game because their line is tough. And we already know that their, their quarterback is not going to run either. So, Well, yeah, I mean, any of our fans that do the film breakdown, you'll remember in that uh, New York Giants game, there was a play where Mitch rolled out and the defender, because of the threat of Mitch being able to break that play down the field with his legs, right. he didn't like basically know where to kind of commit to. And then Mitch jumped it over to a linebacker's hit to Montgomery and Montgomery ended up running it in for a touchdown. Now right. that's the difference between these two quarterbacks because with a Nick Foles, that threat's not there. So the defense can actually play the team a little differently, right? Cause there's not right. that threat with him being mobile like that. So that's one of the areas that we have missed with this uh, with this quarterback change. And also, Nick Foles has not lit a spark in this team. A lot of people thought that he was going to kind of come in here and give them a, a jolt. But actually, the move actually kind of backfired. Right, right. And here's the deal how it backfired, though. And I think you've been watching this the past couple of weeks. What other teams have done to the Bears, because they know Nick Foles' um, area of opportunity, it's blitz them. You can blitz a guy who can't run, <laughs> you know, uh, and also have a bad line. You can do that. See, with Mitch, Mitch can get around some of those blitzes because he can run. He can move, right? And then he can extend some plays with that. I'm not saying he's the best reader, but the thing is, he's pretty good at extending the plays. And when you can extend the plays, anything can happen. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the simple fact of that threat of somebody extending a play, I mean, that's in, in this NFL, third down efficiency is one of the biggest things because that's what sustains drives. That's what kind of keeps our defense off the field. And that's that dynamic uh, aspect of Mitch's game that he has with being able to extend the play, right? Whether right, that's exactly. him making a play with his legs or allowing a receiver maybe another additional second to break open and break free, right? We've exactly. Seen that. We saw that in that play where he made some Mooney, where he basically kind of worked Mooney open in the end zone on that touchdown. Those are the type of plays that we haven't seen in this offense. We have not. And I think, Mitch, you asked me, it can be better at extending drives because of that. So I want to see Mitch in a lineup to see what these defenses do from a blitz standpoint. Because they're going to get a rude awakening with Mitch that, hey, it's not that simple. This guy can run a little bit. You guys cannot you know, do those same blitzes that you did to, to Foles. Right. But I would say this, um, to, to kind of to go on the opposite end of the spectrum, I would say, though, in a better scheme, this wouldn't even be the case because Nick Foles does have, and, and traditionally Nick Foles has a quick release, right? right. Uh, we see it earlier in his career where he gets the ball out quick. So I would say his ability to combat pressure with quick hitters would be ideal if we had a better scheme. But that's right. not the situation that we're in right now. We have an offensive exactly. line that's underperformed. We've been hit by injuries, COVID, the whole night. Even when this offensive line was totally healthy, they still underperformed. So I just want our audience to kind of still keep that in mind. There was never a point in the season where this offensive line was like awesome in any stretch of the imagination. They, right. were, they were serviceable. But I would say with this current scheme, it just does not lend well to what Foles does best, right? It does not. And I would say he can make a, a, a good offense better, but what we're seeing from him is he can't make a bad offense or a scheme look good. 
He cannot. And it also looks like he's still learning this um, bad offense himself. <laughs> As you can see, he's always looking at his plays, man. He got that glove going on his wrist, and he's always looking at it. I'm not sure it's a glove. It's not quite a glove, but, you know, on his wrist, he's always looking at those plays on there. Ain't spent a lot of time doing it. And with that, it's hard, man. You got that to learn yourself, and you got a line to run and, and an offense to run. It's, 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 it's even tougher. Yeah. Um, and then also, too, let's just not <laughs> – Forget about the fact that I still think right now with this bye week, the timing is perfect for us to make this switch to back to, to Trubisky, right? Because we got to look at this. We finished the season with six games against defenses that rank 15th or lower and points allowed. So there's opportunities now down the stretch that we may be able to make some impact. And we're going to get into that later in, in the show. But that's something for our listeners to think about when we have an opportunity with this offense to get a quarterback in there that kind of maybe fits the talent uh, a little bit better right now. There's opportunities that we should be able to be in these ball games that we're losing currently. Absolutely. Yeah, we should be there. I, I, I think still, though, uh, no matter who's the quarterback, we still would have some some woes on that line, right? That part still doesn't go away. So either way it go, that part is not going to go away. And the other part is going to look at as well is what kind of offense are we running? Right. That's still going to be the biggest question as well. Are we still running these same plays that we've been running these past, what, <laughs> the first half of the season? You know, are we still going to do the same thing? So what are we doing differently after bye week from a play calling standpoint, from a scheme? That's going to be a key. Well, like I told you on the last episode, it don't matter who the play caller is. If we're not cleaning up the scheme and, and, and making sure that we get the right personnel on the field for certain positions. Right. Uh, I don't know why Ryan Nall was in the game as much as he was last time. I don't care what Big Dave said. I don't want to see that guy <laughs> on the field. <laughs> but I'm just going to say this, man. To your point that you made a little while ago, and I want our audience to just think about this for a second. So what A-Dub was saying in, in the way that Mitch is as, Mitch is a threat, defenses have to basically play him differently. So I brought up the New York Giants game as that was one situation. But let's look at what A-Dub mentioned about the blitz. So. We saw in that Minnesota Vikings game the way that they utilized those blitzes on third down. And they flooded the offensive line, and they put pressure on Nick Foles. If he didn't get sacked, he was throwing inaccurate passes. He was getting rushed. He wasn't able to basically sit back in the pocket and be comfortable, right? When you move to a mobile quarterback like a Mitch Trubisky, right, defenses have to change up that approach. So they can't be so overly aggressive because the fact of the matter is you got a quarterback out there that if he gets past that initial line of defense, you're in trouble, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And Mitch can do that, man. He can extend some plays and extend some drives. And guess what? When you extend the plays, extending drives, guess what happens? The defense gets tired. So all those blitzes don't look as crispy as they once did. You know, the defense the rushing into us trying to tackle Mitch doesn't look as strong. So if you can continue to do that, Extend those plays. That's better off for the team. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, and another thing, too, when you think about this situation with him, it also just kind of points to our situation that we brought up earlier is, is saying extended drives. We know that our defense has been overly used and we've relied on our defense so much. And then a lot of the times in these games, you can see where the defense is starting to kind of break down in the fourth quarters of these ball games. While they're still able to kind of get teams off the field, you can just tell that all these minutes and all these drives, they kind of take a toll. As an offense, we need to start basically letting the defense kind of take a break. You know, get, let, let, you got a you got a unit here that's getting the job done, but you don't want them to wear it down in games, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. So you're going to need your offense to do so, do a better job extending these plays. You can't have a defense on the field the, the, most of the game or the entire game, pretty much. Um, that's what we've kind of found ourselves doing um, these past couple of games. You see our defense has probably spent more time on the field than our offense by far. Absolutely, man. Thing here is for our listeners is just to realize that, hey, we're not saying that Trubisky is going to be any sort of a savior or anything like that. But, you know, we've been saying on the podcast that it just may be a time to kind of reconsider this thing. And I know A-Dub earlier in the season mentioned, hey, there could be a situation that we're going to see that we may see these quarterbacks get intertwined or switched out, you know, a, a couple times. And I didn't want to hear that at the time, but that may be the situation that we may be looking at where we're going to see now a third quarterback change, you know? <laughs> right, so, exactly. And one thing I will add to that, it's not like, you know, uh, Foles is that much better than Mitch or Mitch is that much better than Foles. It's not even about that. It's about where we are right now as a team. That's what it comes down to. This is what we have. We can't run the footballs like we want to, and we don't have a line right now. That's not good for Foles, period. Exactly. And I think that's that's going to be the issue that we have to uh, kind of look at with this whole situation, man. So it'll be really interesting. But on this episode, you know, we want to kind of start off by kind of giving you guys kind of like a, Hey, here's a current state of what's going on, what we're hoping we do with the quarterback situation. But we're going to switch it over to some more positives. So we're going to give out some some season awards and kind of we're going to bring in um, our, our guest, Mitch Galloway here. So I'm going to let him join the, the conversation. Mitch Galloway, man, thanks for joining us, man. How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling good. I don't have to watch the Bears today. That's what me and A-Dub were just saying over here, man. We like we get a day from that, so we get to actually watch some good football today and not be all stressed out and, 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 and over-anxious with everything. That mess. Yeah, for sure. We were just telling the audience we're going to kind of keep things a little fun, and 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 we definitely want to uh, keep the tenor you know, upbeat here. But um, on this next segment here, we're going to kind of go through our uh, season review. We're going to go through some awards. So, um, A-Dub, before we get into that, I mean – we've talked about a lot of these guys on the roster that we really thought that, you know, Ryan Pace has done a good job of kind of finding some of these, uh, you know, bargain, you know, barrel type of guys. Right. Right. One of the guys for me, and I'm going to let you and, and Mitch take it after this, but Barkevious Mingo, he's a guy that I really, really love that Pace picked up. Right. Because this was an example of a guy that you signed to one of those one year prove it deals and right. he's making the most of his opportunity. Right. And he continues to take snaps away from Robert Quinn that a lot of people aren't talking about right now. Even though Robert Quinn's snaps are, are increasing kind of where they were from where they were earlier in the season, look at how often Marquevious Mingo's out there, especially on rundowns, because there's so many times on tape guys that I've watched where teams are running freaking tight ends and fullbacks over at Robert Quinn and it's neutralizing him. And it's allowing the offensive tackle to get to the next level of the defense and take a block out on Trevathan or, or Roquan, right? But when right. Archivius Mingo is out there, he sets the edge and he's very consistent with playing the run. So that's one of the things with Archivius Mingo that I just say, even in his limited snaps, he shows up on film and you hear his name called a lot in these games. So yep. I thought that that's been a really good pickup for us. Did you guys have anybody, you know, as far as one of those, uh, you know, under the radar signings that you wanted to kind of uh, piggyback on? What I go ahead and say from the sign that I thought was good, um, and again, it helped us out a lot was Santos. I know we got rid of Santos and then we I brought agree. him back. So Santos been a savior from a kicker standpoint. And I'll tell you this, I don't think Santos is going to lose his job moving forward. I think he earned it. Why, why would he? You know, well, just I, saying. I, I, <laughs> I was just well, saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got it, man. He earned it. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Eddie who? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's gone, man. Eddie, Eddie's gone. Just well, you haven't thing. heard anything about him out here. No, you sure have not. You sure have not. Uh, what what'd you have for us, Mitch? That's a good one, A-Dub. I got Mario Edwards Jr. I yes, think sir. having his presence on that defensive line has been a very um, big boost for that defense, especially with, with Eddie Goldman out and they're shuffling around some people. He's been rushing hard. Every time I see him out there, it's it's full effort, and he, he just doesn't stop. Yeah, he's he's had some really good power and speed rushes out there. You're definitely right about that. Yeah. And he was before week one. So like we came in and had to learn that defense pretty fast. And I don't I don't see any issue with it. Also, too, let's just look at the fact that uh Mario Edwards, when he was drafted uh, out of Florida State, he was drafted by the Raiders, and they had really high hopes for him on that team with playing with Khalil Mack, right? And so now he's back with Khalil Mack again. It's just kind of funny how the universe works sometimes. Yeah, man, Absolutely. he can apply that pressure, man. I love his pressure, though, man. And that yeah, guy can he, get to the quarterback. He has a lot of, like, pass rushing moves that I've seen. I've seen him bull rush. I've seen him spin. I've seen mm-hmm. him been able to, to go under blocks and everything like that. Someone I would like in a Bears uniform for a few more years. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at, at, at all. One of the things that we're seeing with this defensive line, and we talked about this on the last segment, Mitch, is the fact that this is such a strength for this team where we've had a couple guys go yep. down and we were still rolling. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. We've got a lot Absolutely. of depth. As I told you guys, the Bears got a lot of depth on that line, man. I can't take nothing away from what Pace has done with the line, so I'll give him credit around that. Oh, absolutely. That defensive line is, is a beast, and that's without Eddie Goldman. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And now Roy Robinson Harris. Now he's there, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> you know? so you, you've seen guys like Mario Edwards and Brent Urban really stand up and take over that that role that Roy Robertson Harris is, you know, that, what they've lost with Roy Robertson Harris. And I'll tell you one thing: that Brent Urban man, that kid man, he flashes. That in that last game, that play that he made on Dalvin Cook, I watched. I rewind mm. that like three different times when I was doing the All Twenty Two this week, uh, oh, Mitch. Yeah. What a play. I mean, he blew that whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see this from him last year. No, no way. Uh, like he was serviceable last year and he did very well, but he is just on another level this year. And he, he's, he's fun to watch. And his, his uh, celebrations are hilarious. Oh yeah. The air guitar. And <laughs> i and I've, and I've mentioned this on another uh, episode, Mitch, his wife is also an amazing oh, follower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like messing around with her, a dub. I'm gonna be drunk the next game because she's like, <laughs> she throws them back, son. But <laughs> one thing I will say about Brett, though, uh, uh, Urban, is that uh, when you get a guy like him around a good defensive unit, you can't help but to pick up some things, right? As I shared with you, Prez, on, on a, a few other uh, couple of podcasts ago, around the fact that when guys get around a good core group of other defenders, you can't help but get better. And with that, he's, he's getting better. As, as a defender, you can see that now he is starting to wear on him about, you know, his ability, what he can do, and he, he's showing it. He's finally getting a chance to really show what he's able to do on this team here. And I got to credit the guys around him, the Hicks, um, you know, the, the Max, right, who's all with them to help him continue to grow and evolve as a player. Well, that, that's also a hell of a point, but let's not also take away the fact that that D-line coach, that kid, he's he's one of the best in the league. And he's – yes. And Khalil Mack has gone on record and saying that he's basically taught him a lot and he's well-respected around the NFL. So, I mean, he's definitely doing his job. Who did you guys have for your most improved player for the season, right? So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of guys that we could probably point at, but 
I'll, I'll kick this over to you guys first. Well, I thought was my most improved player um, coming to the season. Based upon last year, I went with Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham had a tough time last year. Wait, who? Jimmy Graham. No, no, I'm not taking anything away from that. <laughs> you know, just saying, because last year he didn't look I'm, too I'm, well. Hey, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say, because the thing is, he didn't look too well at all last year, right, um, with the Packers. He came in here, and all of a sudden now, He's making. He's doing a couple of things. He had a couple of good games with us, you know. And uh, I, I will take that because you know, in, in our in our last year for us at tight end, we weren't getting any production, and we started to get mm-hmm. some this year. So I will say that's an upgrade, right? I'm not saying the money, but I'm talking about the production. <laughs> and so with him getting about four touchdowns, he's gotten already four or something like that. I don't know. Five. But, uh, five. five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Five touchdowns. All right. We'll take that. So let's see him do that. Get some production out of there. Um, he's been pretty good and, you know, um, he had a, couple, a bad game that I beat him up for. <laughs> um, but I think for him coming on our team and giving us a spark around that early in the season at that, that we need the wins, I will say, I, I can, I can appreciate that. So one real quick thing here, cause you know, I, I, I'm always got some smart ass <laughs> shit to say. So do you think that the contract that he signed and the production that we've seen have been on par? No. But there's reason behind that. Now that's the lag measure. Now there's lead measures that lead up to that. Okay, so 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 educate me. What you got? So What's me up? education this year, right? Okay. First of all, our line, right? We had issues there. That means folks can't get rid of the ball, right? Then we audience, have our audience. He's making excuses, but go ahead. Okay, I'm okay. just saying we got that. <laughs> hey, look, call it what it is, man. Call it what it is. That that we also have scheme issues too, right? We don't use our tight ends to write what we want to, right? Even okay. In- okay. We screwed okay. up, right? And some red zone plays. We saw that. Nick, what are you doing here? You got two tight ends, and you don't even use these guys in red zone, right? You go another direction. So you got so many different dynamics that impact that. So going off of that, if I can, Adub, how many times have we seen Nagy take Jimmy Graham off the field in the red zone? Too many times. Too many times. Absolutely. And Jimmy Graham has a third of the touchdown receptions on this team. So I am not going to have a problem with saying he's the most improved. With with A Dub, he's not my most improved, but well, yeah, he probably wouldn't be most people, but I still love A Dub. You, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But I would say this: A Dub, he knows I've been I've been getting after him about Jimmy Graham all season. Um, yes, rightfully <laughs> <laughs> so. Because you know what, Mitch, this has been my issue with him. Obviously, fans, we can pick apart that bad game that he had. That's fine. But when I look at him, he just has a risk aversion to blocking. Now, I know that they didn't bring him here to do that, but come on, step up. Like, that's a problem that I have with him there. And then also, too, to your point, A-Dub is true. They take him off the field in those situations, but also, let's <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. They don't even target Allen Robinson in the red zone like they should be, right? So, right. to your point, yeah, a lot of this is scheme and, and play calling and so forth. But guess what? A-Rob is still making production out there. When I look at Jimmy Graham, I'm like, man, I need to see more, brother. I need to see more effort on the run blocks. Um, while he's made the most of his red zone plays, there's still times where I look at him run routes, and I'm like, is he running in quicksand? What the hell's going on with this guy? Are you are you talking about Allen Robinson or Jimmy Graham? I'm talking here? about Jimmy Graham with the running in because quicksand. Because I've seen, I've seen Allen Robinson not block, and Allen Robinson lose the ball in the red zone. Nothing yeah. against Allen Robinson, like, He's yeah, a but but A Rob, but A Rob's still number one guy. We're not gonna take any A Rob slander on this podcast. No, no. <laughs> but, <well>. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just using your logic, one of them wants like twenty million dollars a year. One of them's just operating on that two year contract. Yeah, but also to that point, one of them also has 
basically leads the league in most contested catches since 2019. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to go there with me, we can go there all day. No, no, I was going to no, say that. But hold on. You, but, but hold on. Well, no, it's not an argument, man. This is sports. But what I'm telling you is, is you got to be ready because I always got something to say. Um, but, oh, I know. But Jimmy Graham, we can't compare the two guys. One of these no. guys, effort, I'm going to basically say needs to step it up. A-Rob, he's a consummate professional. He's, he's one of the best in the game. And if he had better quarterback play, I can only imagine the numbers that he would put up. But that's no, no, no you're right there. Yeah. I just no. I want to see, I, I agree with you. I want to see more from Jimmy Graham in the blocking department. Um that, exactly. Yeah. And uh, like same with Allen Robinson. But Jimmy Graham is asked to block. A Rob shouldn't be asked to block. This is what I will say on Jimmy Graham, right? It's all about schemes, right? When you put the guys out there, you want to put the guys out there who can do the job the better, the best at what they do. So, for example, you are we already know Jimmy Graham's probably not the next best, best blocker on the team. He shouldn't be out there for certain plays to do blocking. We should have other guys like Williams or Commit out there doing the job for you know for that standpoint. But we should just put these guys in positions to where they they're most effective. That's all I'm saying, really. Not that's think, fair. That's a fair point. Yep, yeah. that's where we shouldn't be with. taking them off the field in the red zone. Right. Absolutely, another fair point. Right. See, listen, I give props where I went. Hey, listen, hey, Doug, keep hitting that fire because you, you go on. Go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where we're at. So, okay, so you got Jimmy Graham. Audience yeah. just know the president still. I'm still protesting that one, but you listen. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> um, I don't think you're going to protest my. All right, what you got? Cairo Santos. I okay. Don't, like, hand, hands down, has been the most consistent player on this team this year. Yeah, on, on the offensive side. Yeah. You know, he's he's scoring his points almost every week. In some games, all of the offensive points come from Cairo Santos. And if you look back at last year and the year before that, he was terrible. <laughs> he was missing way too many kicks. I think he's he came in and he sold the job. See, see I couldn't make Santos my um uh, my, my my signing and my um both but you know what but I got you right, though. I got you Ada. but he's been pretty good you're right he's been very good I mean we haven't looked back since having Santos in a lineup doing what he's doing no. there's no way to look we have not looked over our shoulder not once we and haven't even talked about since that Atlanta game right 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 but I'll say this isn't it refreshing guys that you get a kicker back there and you're not sitting there, uh, you know, basically turning your back. You can't watch it, or the anxiety that we used to feel with with kid field goal kicks. It feels great. So I felt so much better after he hit that 55 yarder. Oh my Man. god, he he, like, boomed, oh, yeah, he boomed good. that shit. Yep, <laughs> and it looked he thought, good. He could have added a couple more yards on that. I'll tell absolutely. you, man, absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you know, we talk about guys in the NBA that shoot threes and get hot. Man, Santos hot, man. He is. <laughs> he is, and he he took at his job. I, I love Eddie, but yeah. he ain't coming back unless there's an injury to Santos right now. Exactly. Right. Yeah, there's no way. And to your point, uh, A-Dub, with that hot analogy, this guy, he took the most of his opportunity. And in this mm-hmm. league, that's what you have to do, man. If somebody leaves a door slightly ajar for you, you got to kick that shit down. And that's what Santos did. Yeah, Santos pretty yep. much said, they gave me a chance. I'm not giving it back. Nope. Uh, no, that's a, no, Mitch, you're correct on that one. I have nothing. I got nothing on that. It was a good one. Told was you. Good one. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Good shit. Um, mine is a guy that really only played in a small number of games, but I still just had to call him out. James Daniels. James oh. Daniels. I like him. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Obviously, listeners, he's out for the season, but he was the best old lineman on the squad when he was playing. And one of the things that I really liked about what James Daniels did, so in his rookie gear for a lot of our listeners, you'll see that he switched positions. He got pushed around a bit. 
but he showed like a lot of athleticism, mobility, all that good stuff on film. Well, this offseason, he packed on muscle. He got really strong. And at the point of attack, he made a lot of improvements with his game. Right. And so one of the things that you'll notice, A-Dub and Mitch as well, he played more square. So in his rookie year, he was kind of more on his like tippy toes and he was always kind of off balance. He was getting pushed back. Well, this season, you start seeing him playing more physical, right? Pushing people off the line of a strip in line of scrimmage and that base for an offensive lineman, right? That is so important. And the thing about it is, is that not only James Daniels got better with his technique, but that extra muscle and weight that he put on, that type of stuff really helps you in the run game. And that was an area earlier in the season where he was someone that me and A-Dub both said, Montgomery was getting a lot of his, his decent runs running left in that offense, right? Yeah, and that absolutely. Was a, and that was an area that we definitely uh, have not been able to take advantage of. So that's my most improved player. No, I, I like that. that. I like that. And here's the deal. When we saw James Dingens went down, right, that was the start of a fall from our run game, I believe. That was the start right there. So our run game started to get worse and worse and worse by the weeks because of that, because we're missing them. And I How think, much did you expect it to get better with Coward starting at left guard, though? You can't give it at all. I'm just saying. You can't uh-uh. give it at all. Nope, no. can't give it at all. Nope, not at all. But, yeah, we miss him. We miss James. Uh, Big James um, showed us a lot uh, when he was playing. And you're right, Brad. You hit right on the spot, man. That was um, – for sure, Montgomery's favorite uh, route to run behind him. Get that route from behind James, you, you're good to go. You can eat up some more yards. Because, you know, we know Montgomery can break some tackles. But yep. going behind him, you're going to get at least positive yards, and then you can break a few more tackles. Because now, where does he go now? Right. He's taking the first hit in the backfield. Nowhere. Right. Nowhere. <laughs> first the backfield. He's getting the first hit in the backfield. we got to get back up the scrimmage. And that's the thing with James Daniels is I, th- I think Prez is talking about how it went from – like he was technically sound pretty much for his first uh, year in the league, but he he's become a body mover in the off season. He didn't have anybody to block and he was looking for someone to block. Mm-hmm. I remember earlier in the year, he came over and added a block uh, with Leno and just took the guy out of the play. And you didn't see that early in his career. And he, he got aggressive over yep. the off season. He sure did. Yeah. Can I add one more thing to that though, uh, Perez and Mitch? One thing I will give yeah. um, Daniels credit for is that he's been able to read the defense. Like, for example, these different schemes he's been taking, these different looks the defense like to throw at him, he's been pretty good at picking up the blocks on those. So I got to give him a lot of credit yeah. for being able to read that. Yeah, he's I'll give smart, you that for sure. Smart young he's a very smart player. But that's, yep. what we, that's what we expected of him because when he came out of Iowa, Iowa breeze lineman. Oh, yeah. And, and so that was the thing. You expected that part of his game. Right. But the part that he showed us this year – this was like the game changer. Like when, what Mitch mm-hmm. said there, when he became that like people mover. Yeah. That's when I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, <whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> <Moving> bodies, <laughs> man, pancake a few bodies. You're going to get noticed. <laughs> oh yeah. There were some games. He might've been the best offensive lineman on the field for both yes. teams. Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, yeah. So what'd you guys have for your biggest underperformer of the season? We had, we got to go there listeners. I know we said we're going to keep it positive, but we still got to point out one person that hasn't kind of played up to snuff, but you guys go ahead and take that one. Can I go first? Go for it. Nick Foles. Okay. Biggest underperformer for me has been Nick Foles. Okay. And the reason why I feel the narrative behind Nick Foles was he's going to make this offense better. He's going to be able to make, the poor parts of the offense better because he's smarter at the line and he can read the defenses and outside of maybe a handful of plays in his starts and touchdowns to seven interceptions, 
And a, quite a few of those interceptions are just him throwing the ball up. I know you guys were talking about it earlier. His lack of athleticism has handcuffed to being one-dimensional. There are 31 other defensive coordinators in this league, and I, everyone knows Nick Foles' biggest weakness is he can't move out of the pocket. So right. we're just going to pressure him and pressure him and we'll give us the interceptions. He's like a poor man's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, because he's just going to throw it up, man. And yep. uh, we're, we're seeing that. I mean, look at that Vikings game. I mean, and I think you heard that when we Ugh. talked about that with the blitzes, right? And it was it was a mess. <laughs> it Yo, was so a look, mess. You know what? Let me, let me crack my drink open, man. I'll tell you, A-Dub, I'm on the second one since we started talking about this. I'm not saying Mitch is wrong. I think you have some accuracies to what you're sharing, Mitch. But here's the deal. Nick Foles, apparently, right, got the money, came here. But guess what? He didn't start. He came off the bench, right? He came off the bench. So apparently the idea, right? And you can go back and forth with, oh, who was better, whatever. I'm not going to get into that part who's better. But I think the idea with him come off the bench um, to replace Mitch, in a way, he has not done a great job. But in a way, it's like, okay, you got so many variables that are also part of it, right? Because he has not looked great. He has not. I will definitely give you that, Mitch. Right. Um, but the thing is, there are so many variables in this. <laughs> That's all part of this whole scheme, yeah. right? And um, you got the fact the line, you have the play calling, <laughs> you have just, we don't look good together. Okay. Okay. It's so many different things that happen. I'm going to go off that. I want you to point me to a stretch of games last year behind the same offensive line and the same bad system that Mitch Trubisky looked this bad. This is not the same offensive line at all. <laughs> this it, is, offensive- it is almost exactly the same offensive line. No way. We had too many injuries happen this year. On and this line, last year, the entire yeah. right side of the line was new last year, and, and last year was a disaster as well. It's just not this yeah. bad, of course, but it got worse with the unless, unless, and let's not and let's not talk about how we tried to make Kyle Long the scapegoat last season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly, 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 exactly. I know, still yeah. bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Nothing has improved. <laughs> it's all bad. So either so, way, I go last year's bad. It is just bad. This this year's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But this reason, this offensive line this year is, is god awful. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's bad. bad. And it, like, technic- it's not technically sound, and it's the same way as it was last year. The reason why Foles is my biggest underperformer is the story was told that he was going to come in and make a 17 to 20 point per game offense, a 25 to 30 point per game offense, when in turn, it's made it a 10 to 15 point offense. Now that I don't, I don't, I didn't think he would come in and do that. If you, if you got on the bench, right? Say for example, Mitch continue to do a good job. We don't even see Foles. If yeah. Mitch do a good job, we don't see Foles. So he, he well, stays on the sideline. <laughs> well, hey, Doug, real quick, I, what I want to say about this, I think we all know the situation that Mitch was an uphill battle off season for this job because right. when they brought Foles in here, it was with the idea that he was going to be the starter, and the, pan- and the pandemic was the only reason why I think Mitch started the opener yeah. to just to begin with. We've talked about this before, Prez. Yeah. Yeah, Nag- Nagy didn't want Mitch to start. No, no, no not really. No, Mitch had two good games, like stat-wise. He struggled for quite a while in the Detroit game. Two good games against Detroit and, and New York and was having a rough half against the Falcons. Praised for how he played in the first half of the Giants game. He made one mistake, was pulled, Bulls came in, Bulls had this great comeback that we saw Mitch have two weeks prior. Right, and for, then, for the Mitch, baby. Yeah. And then he was benched. And like I said, the narrative became, and this is not just like, this is Nagy's narrative. This is Mike Furry saying that we're going to see more back shoulder passes. The wide receivers are going to be happier. Um, It's the national narrative saying Mitch is done. Foles is going to make this offense so much better. 
and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I mean, like I said, it's a lot of variables that went it into got it. Worse. it. It got worse. And the thing is, also look at as well, you, you, can, you can probably test this press, is that early in the year, uh, we didn't go against the best teams early in the year. I think I think Foles got in the line at the time frame. We hit the, the toughest defenses, really, at that time frame. And our line also got deteriorated at that time frame as well. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot from, you know, for him to be some kind well, of magic man. What what I'll say to that point, A-Dub, I think it was more of the D-lines that we faced in some of those games, right? So yeah. you look at the Rams, yep. the Bucks, but We won that Bucks game, but yeah. yes. we we Those defensive lines that we faced, those were yeah. the problems, I think. More I agree. I agree. Yep. You and I on the same page. Yep. But I'm not <laughs> taking away from you, Mitch. I think but, you're right. Well, I'm not but, taking but, away from you. But you know what? To his point, though, because yep. uh, like like you said, you know, I'm not going to get too far into that whole thing between the two quarterbacks because I think yeah. most most of us fans, we all know what happened with that situation. It was all politics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but to his point, he's right because this was a guy, as I mentioned in yep. the last segment, we, they brought him here with the idea that he was going to make this offense better. And what we see with him is this is a guy – if an office is bad, he can't He's make bad. it better. Yeah, make it exactly. Better. Can't make it better. That's one thing I will say. He cannot make it better. He cannot make it better. No, no stop. No. So yes. that. And, and he played one of the worst passing defenses last week in Minnesota. Thank you. And he, he couldn't do anything with it. And, Thank you. Uh, and I'm going to say this. That offensive line a lot better on mon- last Monday. They did. Than it has in the past five weeks. Outside of the blitz pickup, you are totally correct. Oh, yeah. With that. Yep. Yeah. And that and the blitz issue—that's a coaching issue. They should have—they should have provided more protection. Yeah, that yeah, and, and, and escape. Yeah, you're correct. Exactly. exactly. And they—they they, they set him up for failure. That's all I'm going to say right there. You're right. I think folks have not performed well, but guess what? That's also part of coaching as well. You got to set him up, <laughs> up for success, right? Hey, Trubisky's my boy, but they didn't even set him up for failure. They just pulled him. They just pulled him. <laughs> right. And they're going to do the same thing with Foles <laughs> as well. They may just pull him too. God, Listen, I wish. And, and, and you know what? <laughs> And Mitch, and Mitch Galloway is correct on that because when you look yeah. at what, what happened in that game in the Falcons, they were and – and that was a bad read. Trust me. Everybody knows. I like Mitch. That was a bad read. But to pull him that quickly, I just thought, eh, you were just waiting on something, Nagy. You, you were just waiting on it. See, the yep. thing is, they, they were looking for a reason for a whole year from last year as well. From last year to this year, they were looking for a reason. They Mitch had the whole thing but, last year and then this year as well. So they were looking at that. Okay, but well, what quick, what quick thing? Two games. Oh, good. Go five, five touchdowns, two interceptions, and two victories in his first two games. He had a touchdown already in the Atlanta game through an interception coming out of the half. Let's not take away the fact that Atlanta has a top five defense in the first half. All the yards they give up come in the second half of that game, True. of every game that they've True. had. Because so yeah, Atlanta is Atlanta. Atlanta is Atlanta, Atlanta, right? Atlanta they always give up the lead. Apart. They always fall apart, so, so it's nothing new. If we didn't miss the Cairo Santos field goal in that game, we're 13 to 16 at the half. We're in the game. Mitch is keeping us in the game. His 45-yard scramble set up the first touchdown. Yeah, that was a great play. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And then Nick Foles comes in, has a really bad third quarter, and blew up in the fourth quarter. Exactly. But that's when every quarterback that plays Atlanta blows up. Well, I will say this, and I'm not disagreeing with that part of it. The point with Mitch in general has been a, a collective of things. And everyone's going back to, oh, that, that one game. That's not the game. That's the reason he got fooled. That's just not it. It's it's a collective of things with Mitch. No, From I agree with you. Back to last year. That's all I'm saying. It's like, because I know. Hey, I, like, know I agree like, with you. It, so is, it is. Cool. Okay. Yeah, we all get there. So here we go. Yeah. Let's talk about my performance <laughs> this year. All right. We got you. <laughs> Let's talk about mine. <laughs> hey, you all go got ahead. me talking about Mitch. 
talking about Foles and Mitch this long. I don't want to talk about those two guys. <laughs> like, we're done enough. We're done enough. We're done enough already. They've done talk, enough damage for us. Talk to him, A Doug. we I have with the Bears right now is you talk about Robert Quinn, right? This guy signed all that money to come to us. And guess what? He's been on a milk carton for most of his time with this team. Are you talking about, you ever talk about what Foles ain't giving us? We ain't getting nothing from Quinn. <laughs> we ain't getting absolutely nothing from him. What I'm we not going to argue that. A fumble? That's all we got in? I'm not going to argue that. All strip that money? Sack. Wait, what? You forgot about that strip sack. That's all we got? <laughs> That's all we got? I'm just saying, right? We're talking about <laughs> money, right? Who's making the most money? Quinn or Foles? Let's talk about that now. Let's Quinn. talk about money. Let's oh. talk about production. Are we getting Quinn's the highest paid players. Yeah, exactly. And guess what? Doesn't look like it, does he? Irvin, Mingo, these guys have all came in and provided more production than him. You know, yeah. it's like, man, dude, you on the line. You got to show us something. Get to the quarterback. Touch the quarterback. Pick up a damn penalty. I don't care. Show me that you exist out there. Woo-wee. He ain't showing me nothing right now. And you guys can look at this film, look at the game and say, man, he's been out there, but he has not been impactful. Matter of fact, his workload has increased. Over, yeah. over the couple of weeks lately, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, we're starting. Not, we're still not getting the you know, the the value we pay for. We're not getting that same guy from the Cowboys, <laughs> you know? No, we definitely don't have that guy. And he's looking like one of the worst signings that we've had in team history. To your point, Adub. Yeah. So he's he's playing roughly 44 percent of defensive snaps right now, and he's gone 307 snaps without a sack. While he does impact the play in other ways, when it comes to just breaking down the pocket, forcing the quarterback to another sack or anything like that. He doesn't play a lot of first and second down run plays. Yeah, that was the point he, I made earlier about that. Yeah, because he's ineffective yeah. against the run. He's, yeah. ineffective. He's, he's ineffective. He's, he's not a good run defender. No. Um, so where where the difference between Robert Quinn and like Leonard Floyd was, Leonard Floyd was on the field at right outside linebacker all three downs. He yeah. played the run well. He played the pass well. He could rush the quarterback and make pressures. He couldn't finish a lot like Quinn, I guess. Um, but Quinn's Quinn's impact on this team is only pass rushing. To your to your point, he's not producing enough in that in that category. But I do think when it comes to pass rushing, it's a lot of times like you have to have more opportunities to build up. And he came in injured, so I don't I don't disagree with you. He's underperforming like crazy. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's the biggest underperformer. He was definitely on my list. He wasn't my biggest one, but he he's on definitely, yeah, definitely. but he's, but to your point, I think he's definitely somebody that is fair for fans to maybe come after a little bit. Look, check this out. If, you, if you're going to come in my boy, Jimmy Graham, about what he going to do, <laughs> you damn sure, you damn sure better be coming at on Quinn. If, you, if you're going to come in, if come at Jimmy Graham like that, you better come at Quinn. That's well, all what, I'm gonna say. But what did I say about uh, Quinn? I just said that it's going to go down probably as one of the worst signings that we've had. That, that's good yeah. enough for me. Okay, I'll take if that. <laughs> if he doesn't pick it up in the last six games, absolutely. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no you know me, A-Dub, man. I keep it a buck, man. Like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so so one real quick thing, because I'm going to give my underperforming player, but right. the one of the things that I wanted to touch on with Quinn, right? Remember in that in that Rams game, do you guys remember the play where they just kept sending like tight ends his way because they just like, you know what? Why waste the offensive tackle on him when we could just neutralize him with the tight ends? And then those running backs for the Rams were just eating us up at the next level. They did. And that looked ugly. I didn't like that at all, but it was a yeah. good game scheme for them against us. That's Sean yeah. McVay's a good coach. <laughs> good coach. Yes, that's a good coach. That's all I'm going to say. Good coaching. 
Well, yep. yeah, and we and we already know how Sean McVay gets down. I mean, he revamped that whole scheme, and I just wish that Nagy would have been more along those lines because you have to play with the talent that you have. And I'm not going to get into a Rams type of scenario here, but just think McVay, he knew what he had there. He changed the scheme up and look at how those guys are playing. So there you go. (laughs) But my underperformer was uh, Cody Whitehair. And everybody hear me out because I know people are like, whoa, that's your guy. Yeah, someone hear you out on this one. (laughs) Yeah. So I would say the first game, three, three games of the season, he struggled. Look at that Colts game. He got ate up by Grover Stewart, right? Who's a good defensive line? But yep. dude, Cody, man, he got taken to the shed on that one, right? Yep. Also, I was going to say, when I watched that game and I had to look at it on tape again, I'm like, dude, that's probably like the worst game I've seen Cody Whitehair play as a bear. And that's not even me being exaggerated or anything like that. He just did not look good at all, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Cody's battle injuries. So I wonder even if he was injured at that point and he was just playing through it just because he just does not look like the Cody Whitehair that we've all – come to know as as far as a bear, right? Right. That's right. one part of it. He had COVID. So there's been a lot of things with Colt with, with Cody that's been going on. And I'm just like, what in the hell is going on with this guy? Vita Vey ate him up. We're not even gonna talk about Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's a different boy. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just gonna say this man. It just makes me wonder maybe if he's hurt or if he was banged up. And I hope that the bye week kind of serves him well. But this is not the Pro Bowl Cody Whitehair that I've been used to. And I just have to tell you, when I look at that, I look at him and I'm saying, bro, we need you to do better. That's 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 yeah. all I got. I agree with that. He needs to do yeah. better. But I didn't think he was the probably one of the worst. But I think he could, I mean, I thought he could do better. The thing is, we're expecting more out of him, right? We're expecting him to go to the next level. And I will say he has not gone to the next level of his game. You could say some no. aspects he may regress, right? From the standpoint, injuries, all this stuff combined together. But some of those guys you mentioned that he went against, Shoot, man, that's a tough task. <laughs> Especially when you're not getting enough from the guards around you. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? To, to your point, though, I mean, yeah, he went against some tough guys, but then also look at what he did last week. That yeah. defensive line for the Vikings, you don't have any showstoppers there, and he struggled that, in that game, true, too. too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the biggest thing with him is that he's still struggling with those snaps. He's still yes. Getting, still that, too. He's struggling. Yeah, that, too, for sure. That, too. So, yeah. Good point, though. Good point. I'm not mad about that one. I, yeah, I, I, more argue that. I won't argue that. There you go. All right, guys. So moving ahead. So rookie of the year, it'll probably be unanimous what we feel there, but I'll still let you guys go ahead and get your, your, your talk points in. Man, look, I'm not sure who you guys picking as your rookie of the year, but I'm going with uh, my boy Money Moon. Of course you are. Money Moon. Of course Moon. you are. You talking about you Money talking Moon. about. EBT moon that uh Big Dave calls. <laughs> hey man, I told you, I told you, man, the bank was closed that day. <laughs> I'm not argue with you. I'm just gonna say it's Jalen Johnson and move on. There you go. He said real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so A Dub. So you you saw Money Moon. So why? I want to say Money Moon because you know what? Coming into this year, no one knew. I mean, I knew, of course, but some of these other people didn't know what he's gonna bring to the table. You know, uh, I told you I heard a lot about Money Moon in the offseason, about what he's doing, how he's all into the fam, getting better, all those different things. But no one expecting that he can possibly be the second guy on our team, right? A second weapon, you know? So, you know, Miller kind of took a step back. So it turns into Mooney and, 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 and you know, and A-Rod, really. Those two guys have been, you know, caring from that standpoint. So, you know, our boy Miller been up and down. Mooney has been consistent. So from that standpoint, this kid has shown us that, hey, he can take the load. And he has. I mean, you see the route run he's running. You see how he's getting open. Unfortunately, Foles has missed him on so many 
um, so many opportunities, yeah. man. It's like, damn, this guy could have way more yards and probably way more touchdowns he have right now on those missed opportunities. But again, I'm not the quarterback. That's the, it is what it is. But you yep. see this kid on the field, he's impactful. You got to worry about him. He's dangerous. When he run out there, you can see those cornerbacks and those safeties. They watch him. They're on him. So. Well, I will say this. One of the things that I like about this kid is he kind of takes a little bit after uh, A-Rob and his preparation for the game. You can tell he takes the game seriously. Absolutely. So to your point, I agree with you there, but I didn't have him as my rookie of the year. But I'm not going to push back on you about that. But you know how I feel about that. Before you start calling him money, he got to get some first. That's all. That's it. It's coming. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> has, has he had a touchdown since Mitch left? No. I don't think so. Nope. He has not. Just audience, just listen to that. Just, just think about that. It ain't his fault. <laughs> no, not but, but that's, that's not, not what he's saying. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. But he's going to be an electric player for this offense for for many years to come. But I agree. He, he he still hasn't found the end zone since Mitch left. Yeah, it, it's it's scheme, and obviously we just got to find ways to get him the ball where he can do what he does best. Uh, Mitch, you had Jalen Johnson. I had yeah. Jalen Johnson as well. What I'll just say real quick, I'll keep it kind of brief with this one because to me it's kind of a no brainer, but. This guy's in comp. He's in conversation for a defensive rookie of the year, right across the whole entire league. And for ESPN, I saw the rankings that you guys put out. You guys are trash for that crap. Yeah. Any list that Jalen Johnson is not on, I don't respect that list because this kid right here. You know what I really like about him? So I play DB and I coach DBs. He has a short memory. He has that next play mentality, and he realizes, hey, you know what? I might have got beat on that play before, but guess what? We're going to line it up again on the next play, and I'm going to fucking bat that shit away. He competes, yep. and I love that. And he also showed us really quickly why the team cut Tolliver. Because remember earlier yeah. in the season, A-Dub, you and I in the season preview episode, we were like, what the hell's going on? Why did they cut Tolliver? Well, shit, Bears fans, you got the answer to your question seeing 33 out there. That's all I got. Yep. Uh, well, so I'm going to correct myself. Mooney's made it to the end zone one more one time. He got it in the, during the Saints game. Thanks for cleaning that up. Thank yeah, you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I was going to clean one up for time, you. One time in seven games isn't bad, I guess. Um, Ouch. Okay, whatever. I was going to clean that up, though. No matter. <laughs> I was going to clean you up on that one. But go ahead. It cleans yourself up. I'll, I'll go but with that. Jalen Johnson, by far, is the rookie of the year. Um, he's performing better than the vast majority of cornerbacks in the league. And not just, like, rookies in the league. He's comparable to Kyle Fuller right now. And if he gets the opportunities that Kyle Fuller has, he's going to be a very special corner. And that's, it. that's all I got to yeah. say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'm going to push back on all you. Yeah, I'm going to mess with you all. But the thing is, I like Jimmy <laughs> Johnson. I like him. I think he's been awesome. I mean, he came in the game. Um, he's not afraid to go against anybody. Nope. You know, you can put him on anybody. He'll, he'll take advantage. Even if he get beat. He got beat a few times. And guess what? He came right back and said, look, you ain't going to beat me again. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep battling. He don't quit. So I like that kid's toughness. It's hard. He got it all. He got what you need to be a cornerback. Yeah. That's what you want. Good pick by the Bears. I'll take it. A-Dub, in your defense, it's easy to look a lot better when you play on that defense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not but I'll take, yep. But he's, he, well, as an individual, well, he's, unless, he's unless you're bu- Unless you bust the screen, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A-Dub, <laughs> right, what, what you have for the defensive player of the year choice, man? Man, look, you guys not going to knock me for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. Roquan Smith, to me, has I been agree. a defensive player of the year. Well, of course, right? And if, you'd, if, you'd had anything other, if you'd had anything other than that, I'd have like he's smoking crack, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what he's doing over there. 
I know a lot of people may may go with Mac. I'm, I'm just saying, some folks may think it's Mac as well. But you know, the things I like Roquan. Roquan's been a leader this year. He's been, I mean, all over the field, coverage in the backfield, hitting quarterbacks, everything. I mean, tackles, whatever you want to call it, man. This guy's been phenomenal this year. So to me, definitely a Pro Bowler. But you know what? He's one of those guys who can say, you know what? He, you got to make a strong case for defensive for defensive player of the year too for him. And he's playing at an All Pro level. I don't have anything else to add. He's all over the field. And just one thing that I was just going to say, <laughs> he's only 23 years old, ladies and gentlemen. God. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. The best is yet to and come with this kid. He, and he took over defensive uh, like play caller there too, right? Yeah, yes, yep. he has. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's they, huge. That's huge. Yeah. And so to, to Mitch Galloway's point, not only is he playing at a Pro Bowl level, that dude's all pro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he's taking that next step that he when has. he was drafted, when he was drafted, because think about this, SEC player out of Georgia, we saw how he played at college. And we were expecting that same productivity here in the NFL. And he's shown that. Yeah. And Bears fans, if you guys can't be excited about what we're seeing out of 58, then you guys just need to, like, put down your hat and take the jersey off because this kid right here, when I see him flash, I'm like, damn, this guy right here, he's the next in that linebacker uh, yep. fraternity for the Bears. And what I would say, though, Prince, the way he handled Henry, bro, <laughs> I was like, damn, this dude putting these hits on Henry. The Henry, you, you all know about Henry, big time running back, right? I mean, it, probably the best in the league. What makes that even more impressive is he's coming off of an injury. Like, he got yes. injured last year. He sure did. He's coming off and he's hitting hard. Yeah, with that torn peck that he had last yep. year. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a tough injury to come back from. It is. I'm yeah, proud so, of him, man. I'm proud of him too. And you, you, you were talking about you talk about Henry, like Prince Henry, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we talked about too, right? <laughs> I'll just look what he did against Dalvin Cook. Yeah. yeah, that's another one. He had another to earn one. every one of them 90 yards. <laughs> man, he did. But I, I, I read somewhere though, man, that uh, and again, I'm not a stats guy, big on stats. I'm big on what you do, right? How you execute. But one sure. thing I did hear about him was that. He probably lead the league in tackles for loss. You know, when I saw it was, was a big deal. I say, wow, you know, even yeah. leading in that category is huge. You know, definitely going to end up at the top of the league in that category. This yep, year. absolutely. Yep. I don't see it changing. The only thing that I got left on this when it comes to Roquan, because we all are unanimous here, I would say, and this is not even me being a homer. This guy, I don't think there's another linebacker that's playing as well as he is in the league, and that's just so. that's just the way that I see it. We watch a lot of football, all three of us collectively. There's not another linebacker that I see play the way that this kid no. plays. I agree. He's playing all like on all cylinders, pass game, run game, everything. Got to be He's all killing. pro. Yep, yep, all pro. All pro. Yep. All right. So here's the the part of the conversation that I'm really curious to see what you guys got. Offensive player of the year, and audience, this is not a joke. This is like a real award <laughs> that we want to give out. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If everyone could see my notes, I left that answer blank because I don't have one yet. <laughs> He he, he he did like I did with the game ball last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, if I had to make a case for offensive player of the year, if I had to make a case, I went with A Rob. Okay, you know that's fair. I went with A Rob. Yeah, it's it's just tough. I know, I know, Mitch. I know where you're going with it. You know, I'm not disagreeing with it. That's hard, man. It really is. It's tough. It's tough because I think A Rob could have better stats this year. Truth the matter, bro his stats probably won't even look great throughout the rest of the year because the thing is, teams are starting to double-team him now because they know, like, look, you got to be somewhere other way, not with him. So that you might happen. You don't have a quarterback but, to hit anybody else. Right, exactly, exactly. So that's going to be a problem going forward. But the thing is, I went with him because I know his impact on the game, right, on the team. Uh, he's been a leader. He's been out there working hard. Um, he's been 
push the envelope. I mean, he gets open, run great routes. Uh, he knows, you know, he knows the game very well. I mean, he's a elite wide receiver. And to yep. me, he's the most impactful on the team on offense-wise. Better than the quarterback, better than the tight ends, <laughs> yeah. better than the quarter wide receivers. Better than our running back, he's been probably the most, the, the guy who's been the most impactful. That's what I would say. Listen, I, I, I like the A-Rob one as well, because when you think about that, he's been a saving grace. As I mentioned earlier, where me and Mitch yeah. were talking about the Graham versus uh, A-Rob situation. When you look at this, I just feel still strongly in the fact that where would we be without A-Rob? This offense is a fucking shit show. But this yeah. guy right here, consummate professional, he does miss some blocks here and there. But what I see from him is no quit. You, you could tell that he's not one of these diva receivers in the league where he's demanding to get the ball. He just wants to win. And the thing about it is, is that when you see the way that this scheme and his offense is failing him with the quarterback play, there's so mm-hmm. many different variables there with A-Rob. And the guy, the guy yeah. still performs. Um, he's still... One of the like top receiving yards uh, leaders in the league, right? And so yeah. that that should count for something, right? So, and like and like okay. Mitch said, with the with the worst one the bad quarterback and one of the worst quarterbacks right now in the league, uh, to do that, what he's doing, it says it says a lot about him. Yeah. Yep. The only the only thing that I got against A Rob is his haircut. He needs to fucking <laughs> cut that shit off. That's it. No, no. <laughs> if I if I had to make an argument for any other offensive player, it would be David Montgomery and. Ooh. I just think the kid runs every single time he gets an opportunity just shows so much heart and mm-hmm. will yeah. almost especially behind that offensive line than anybody else um, on that offense like not having him last week hurt it did it, it shows of an important piece to that offense he is and I'm hoping when he comes back his stat his uh, snap count goes up yeah, we we because we definitely talk about that. So that's a good call out, audience, because Montgomery is somebody that we have a ton of respect for on this show. Because this kid, a lot of times, doesn't even have the chance to show what he could do. We still don't even know what David Montgomery could be because we have bad offensive lines, bad schemes. There's so many times where where Montgomery will rip off a run, and next you know he's getting taken off the field, and I'm like, what are we doing? So let me let me throw this question out there really quickly. So all this is sitting around the offensive line, <laughs> the bad play, right? The bad he can't run. You know, get what he needs to get. We, I mean, we can't see his, his success because of the bad line. We can't see Foles' success because of the bad line. We can't see A. Rob get the ball more because the, it's just so much that relies on the line. Really, no, no offense, but I'm just saying it's just the way it is, right? If you don't have a line, it impacts a lot. And- Go one step over the line. It's it's the scheme. When it's you the ask scheme. the line yep. to do things they can't do, yep, it, it's going to go bad. Well, yep. this is the this is the thing. This, this is where I'm going to end it. This when you look at this offensive line, they wanted to let us believe that coaching was going to cure all the ills. They that did. wasn't the case because Harry Heastan, one of the best O line coaches, Ola yep. Kruitz still goes on record by basically saying how great of a coach Harry Heastan is. We know that Nagy looks for yeah, but we know. How Matt Nagy uses scapegoats. He yeah. anybody around him, he would throw under the bus. And my thing is this: we have a new offensive line coach, the same fucking results. We have a new play caller, same <laughs> fucking results. So, audience, you just let it, just let that marinate. So that's yep. it. Good for me. Good for me. It's, it's scheme, scheme, scheme also <laughs> matters. Yep, scheme matters. All right, so before before we get out of here, Mitch, our uh, next segment here, we wanted to talk about. In order for the Bears to have success down the stretch, this segment is going to be Nagy must. And for me, and me and Adub talked about this earlier, but for me, I think the only way that we salvage this season and get it back on track is Nagy must go back to Mitch. For me, 
we can't have our defense and special teams outscoring our offense. It's happened twice this season, bro. We're the only team in the league that something like that has happened to, and that's trash. Like, we can't have that. Um, so, Nagy, your offense, in my opinion, respectfully, doesn't do anything well, bro. Get this kid back out there and let him do what he does best. That's all I got there with Nagy. I agree with that perspective there. I agree. And I'm going to add this one more element to this. We have to extend drives. That means third yeah. down, we have to be better. We are one of the worst teams when it comes to third down. Uh, and the plays we run, design on third down, is not good to, to, get, to get a first down. So we got to do better in that department. And then final thing we have to do as well, you know me, Perez, I've been screaming this forever. We have to score in the third quarter. We have to. Those so, are my- uh, what, what's that like? Because we sure haven't seen that. Right. <laughs> Man, it's been horrible watching our, our team come out of halftime. It, it's yeah. like we come out of halftime with just screwing up, turn the ball over, or we don't look like we're ready to play. So either way it go, get our team fired up. Whatever it takes, do it. That prep talk you had going into these halftimes, it don't work. Scratch it. Let somebody else talk. I don't care. Let Juan Castillo talk. Let somebody else talk. I don't want Nagy talking come out of halftime. You know, let somebody else do the job. Absolutely. I have, I have three things that Nagy must do for us to possibly have a chance to salvage the season. And number one, he has to go back to Mitch Trubisky. I don't think there's any argument there. You know, even the national narrative at this point, everyone say you have to go back. Number two, you got to stick with Bill Lazor as play caller. That first half against Minnesota, I saw Bill Lazor set up future plays. And I think that that is something we have not seen with Matt Nagy over three years. And then number three, you have to adjust the scheme and go back to what you were doing in weeks one through three playing heavier sets, getting that run game going with extra blockers. And like, what's the one thing you want to do with the young offense? And that's provide them with consistency. Get the scheme. Don't move it. Leave lasers, um, your play caller. Let Trubisky go. Yeah, no, well said, because that was definitely something that we uh, highlighted uh, in the last episode. We said, look, that first half, that 14 play drive that they had, that was great. But then you know that Nagy probably got in Lazer's head and he started to interfere in metal because that second half was more of a Nagy game plan. That's just my yeah. opinion. But the first half, I actually was, to your point, Mitch, I was very, uh, I liked what we saw too. There because he definitely was setting up future plays. And, he and was. That's, that's that's key. And what it, what it shows to me is that Real Lazer's is in the game. He's actually yeah. in the game. See, Nagy yeah. was all over the place. And no offense, it's just that you're a coach, you got to cover so much ground they only just call plays. You got to do so much. But with Lazer, Lazer's up at the plate at the top, looking down, seeing how stuff was happening, what the schemes look like from a defensive standpoint. He's in the game. So you yeah. need a guy to call them plays for in-the-game play calling, you know? Nagy was always in his playbook. Yep. It's a big difference. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so much of his playbook that if players on his team were fighting, he didn't see what the hell happened, apparently. <laughs> he had his fucking face in the box. fucking menu. Yeah. Right. My God. But I think... Another thing, he needs to get out of the game planning. He needs to let his offensive coaches do the game plan. Like I always tell a man, he needs to be Mike, more Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Get out of the way. Mike, yeah. Tomlin <laughs> yeah. Andy Reid. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, listen, we're going to end that segment on that. That was strong. That, I love that. Mitch, uh-huh. thank you so much, man, for jumping on, brother. Thank this has been a lot of thank fun. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Yeah. This was a blast. Before you jump out, man, tell our audience uh, where they can find you on Twitter. Because I'll tell you guys, 
This has been somebody that when we first jumped on here and started podcasting, he was one of our original followers. And Mitch is great, man. Me and him chat football all the time. I love all talking time. with him. College football, NFL. It, it don't matter. He's a Notre Dame Both. guy. Love him. <laughs> Sir. Yeah. <laughs> Go Irish. Yeah. You know, it sucked having a bye week on a week that uh, Notre Dame didn't play. So I, I know, <laughs> right? It's been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, but tell our audience, uh, where, you know, where to find you on Twitter. And, and definitely, uh, listeners, give Mitch a follow. Yeah, it's uh, at Galloway Mitch. Galloway is spelled G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. Um, if you can't find me, find me on uh, the Bear Essentials. I'm chatting on there all the time. There you go. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Thanks. All right. All right, Mitch. Hey, Dub, that was fun, man. That was it real was. fun. Well, before we get out of here, I want to kind of get your thoughts on these remaining seven games of the season. So earlier in the episode, I talked to you about the fact that, hey, man, a lot of these teams that we have on the schedule, these teams' defenses aren't very strong. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an opportunity we may be able to have some success down the stretch. Um, Early in the season, uh, we we gave our predictions. My original prediction for this season is that the Bears would go 10-6, and right? Yep. Right now, we stand at 5-5. and So when I was looking at these final six games – I looked at it two different ways, A-Dub. I said, hey, if they go back to Mitch, I think that we could still hit that original 10-6 prediction that I had. However, if they stay with Nick Foles, I think this is going to be a 7-9 team. And yeah. that's kind of where it kind of sticks with me. What did you kind of think when you kind of look at these final six games? These are games that I felt that because our um, – and again, what's going to really play a big part for me it's going to be how we look coming off a of bye week. That's going to tell a tale for me if we're going to win some games or lose them all. Seriously. Um, so I looked at the fact that we could possibly go. That's the us to upscale. We're going ten and six, right? But we got to go through the Packers. We got to go through them. We can't beat the Packers, you know. Then hey, guess guess what? We're probably going to find our way going downhill. In the last couple of games of the season, we might not even put all the starters out. We may go a different direction with that. So I can't really see us, you know, finish the season stronger than I want to if we lose this, this game against the Packers. Because now, put ourselves in the hole, lose two games in a row, that's it. Yeah, and also, too, to your point, Nagy's coach teams always scare me coming out of the bye week because it seems like the more time that he has to prep is when his teams play the worst. And when Nagy has a short week, that's when his teams seem to play better. Right. And so coming out of the bye, that's a great call out for our listeners. I want to make sure you guys kind of heard what A-Dub said there, because that's something that I'm kind of worried about, too, with this with this Green Bay Packers game. Right. Because, I mean, it's that, the thing is, it's not even about winning or losing, really, uh, for me, Perez. It's about how we look, right? It, it's, I, I, it, hey, I want a dub, man. We lost I, four in a row. Yeah, I want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, of course, I'll take a W, though. But also, it's going to yeah. be like, oh, how do we look, you know, as a team? And most likely, we don't look good offensively. We struggle there. We put our defense in tough spots, you know. Again, right? Like if we look like we look the previous week, uh, this is this is a disaster for what it's gonna look like the rest of the way if we come out that way. That's all I'm saying, really. No, I hear you. I hear you. Look at the schedule, right? So yep. of of the six games, only one of those teams on our schedule has a winning record. So basically, you got the Lions, the Texans, and the Jaguars on the schedule. Those are favorable matchups. I agree. Those two, yep. I can take that. Yeah, those three games. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So my thing is. Get the right quarterback in there. Nagy, don't meddle. So to what Mitch Galloway was saying, dude, let these coaches that you hired, let them do their jobs. Agree. You know? Because my thing is this. 
this season, even though that is kind of like uh, spiraled a little bit out of control, I think we could get this thing back on track because our schedule works in our advantage. It does. We got a good schedule. I will say, I guess the only person on the schedule that I'm worried about really is Green Bay. That's really it. Um, other than that, the schedule is favorable. You're correct. Well, so what do you think as far as uh, your prediction? Because earlier in the season, what did you have as far as your prediction for what the team would finish at? And what do you see us doing uh, down the stretch? Like what I felt beginning of the season, I thought we'd go 10 and six, right? That was my perspective. We'd probably go 10 and six. Um, and it turned out that we were on pace to do well with that. And then uh, things kind of happened, right? A lot of things happened at the time frame that went in these last couple of weeks. I mean, we just didn't look good offensively. We didn't look good on third down. It's like teams have figured us out. Uh, so I think if we're still figured out, coming out of the bye week, we're going to struggle. So I think what we can look like going forward, Fred, and I'm just mad. If we, if we go better, have a better record than this year, that's totally fine. But I think we're probably going to go seven to nine. Is that with either quarterback? With either quarterback. That's what I'm predicting. Seven okay. to nine with either so, quarterback. So seven to nine. Okay. Yep. So you know what? We'll see how it plays out. But I will tell you this, man. Uh, this season, we caught these guys with some of those uh, tough wins that we were pulling out. We called them the cardiac bears. And with the last four games, I don't even know what to call them because, like, that product that they were putting out there on the field, like we all said, we all deserve better. I'm, glad, I'm glad that there's not a game today <laughs> because, you know what, you and I can enjoy our Sundays. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, hey, that? It is really sad. Well, before we get out of here, we want to, you know, give a shout out for our uh, November contest that's going on. So right now we're down to our Elite Eight, A-Dub, um, and we had Perry Morgan, who was advanced to the Final Four. So we have a couple games set up for Monday and Tuesday this week. So we're definitely looking forward to some of these matchups as they kind of come down the pipes. So we got right. a lot of good games that are going to be coming down uh, tomorrow and also on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. Looking forward. Yep. And we definitely appreciate everybody that participated again. We're going to definitely do another one of these type of contests in January. It's been really fun interacting with all you guys and kind of getting to know people and talking sports. I know that's something for me and A-Dub that we could talk football and sports in general with people all day long. So we really enjoy that. And it's been really great to kind of interacting with everybody over the course of this month with the contest. It has been some great conversation between us and the fans of the show. I want to say personally, thank you all for your participation and thank you all for, um, you know, enjoying the, um, you know, the, the trivia. I mean, there've been some great questions to ask. And it's been great just again interacting with you all just to talk football, to talk sports, to talk life. Thank you all so much. Absolutely. Well, hey, Dub, man, let's go ahead and uh, sign off this uh, podcast, man, where we can enjoy some football today, brother. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez podcast. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. On our next episode, we are joined by special guest Pack Daddy from the PackerNet Podcast as we preview the Week 12 matchup against the Green Bay Packers. Bear Nation, come down with us. Peace. <laughs>